congratulations to the Navy midshipmen. Winners of the Commander in Chief's Trophy, the Great Air Force Okay, welcome back to the Against All Enemies podcast. It is week one, ladies and gentlemen. Are we pumped? Ready. We had a little week zero introduction. Um, if you want to call that Florida and Miami game uh, a football game, I guess it was. It happened. I would not call it that. <laughs> but uh, it was a little sloppy. A little sloppy there uh, in Orlando. The <laughs> um, but yeah, we had, we had football. Um, Kayla, before we even came on, you were bringing up Hawaii and the Hawaii-Arizona game. I'll be honest, I did not stay up for that. I'm a pretty, pretty weak college football fan to skip a game in week zero. Shouldn't be doing that. But I did not stay up. But I did catch the highlights. So what were, what were your thoughts on the game? Um, I think it's pretty interesting. I, like you said, I, I actually rewatched. So I caught the end of it. I rewatched the first half today because I was so focused on hoping both Miami and UF lost over the weekend, <laughs> um, hoping that was somehow possible. Um, but, I mean, it didn't really change, uh, I guess, any of my thoughts previously when we talked about kind of the Army scheduling predictions. I think, once again, and Scott touched on this, uh, you know, Hawaii's QB, I think Cole McDonald has quite the arm, to say the least. Um, and he can throw high and throw really long. So as long as they keep doing that, and we know Army is it's kind of their shtick to kind of hold the ball close to them. Um, I think we can kind of see see a potential problem, so it'll be interesting to watch. But I definitely thought they they played uh, played quite an interesting game. It was it was more entertaining to watch than the than the previous one. I'll say that much. So. Yeah, I mean, pretty cool ending, right? With the Khalil Tate getting tackled the one yard line. Navy fans probably pretty happy about that. Not exactly uh, Khalil Tate fans. <laughs> um, after his comments on the triple option and Coach Niamat, um when Coach Niamat was flirting with going to Arizona a couple of years ago, but uh, I thought I thought when this is we talked about this before we came on to that this is one of only a couple of common opponents besides the service academies themselves playing each other, um, with Tulane and San Jose State being the other ones where two service academies play. But I I'm not, I don't want to steal Scott's thunder because I thought he may have had a really good point on Twitter. Um, which he may not even know what I'm talking about in the, the midst of all of the Twitter battles he's been in the past five <laughs> days. But um, I po- post the game about what it means for uh, an Army offense that obviously likes to slow the game down. And, um, and, and yeah, I mean, so I don't, don't want to steal that from Scott. So if you, understand, if you know what I'm getting at, Scott, feel free to jump in and, let, and kind of share with everybody your kind of thoughts on the Hawaii game and what it means for both Air Force and Army. Yeah, so um, – Really, my take on Hawaii is I think that it bolstered a lot of our opinions that we kind of had on him, um, saying that Cole McDonald was really the uh, kind of leader of the offense and, and will be a challenge for any defense that they play, really. But one thing that I did want to touch on is that their their wide receivers are good. And, I mean, they're built around Cole McDonald a little bit, but um, I think they're a little bit more dynamic than we thought, and it's not just the Cole McDonald show out there. But... One, the one thing that I had to say about it, um, and this was much to the chagrin of a lot of Army fans, was that this might be a situation where Army has to be reactive. And the, the question was asked, you know, what, what do I mean by that? 
And it seemed like, I mean, it, it did happen, that Hawaii was able to get a couple scores up early and, and strike really quickly. And so if Army gets popped in the mouth and gets 14, 17 points run up, run up on them really quickly, the only game that they've ever had to deal with that uh, last year was against Oklahoma. And so slowing down the pace of the game, they're so used to, okay, we put up a couple scores in the first half and then just control the clock for the rest of the game and basically set themselves up so they don't have to worry about this sort of reactive clock management where what's going to happen when the other team has the ball. And so I think that, that could provide an interesting dynamic and Army's going to have to work really, really hard and go past just their no turnovers uh, kind of system that they run right now. Um, so really that's, that's what I was getting at with um, this might be a unique challenge for Army. And they played Hawaii last year in a very close game. Um, they came down to, to having to get, I think it was two stops uh, kind of in the, at the end of the game um, on back-to-back drives in order to solidify that win. Um, but this year they have to travel to Hawaii. I know they have a bye, but still, I mean, that's traveling to Hawaii. So we, we've brought all that up before. But, yeah, it was, it was interesting to kind of take a look um, at that game. And I guess I'll segue that right into um, it's week one. Let's get into to week one action for the service academies. And we'll start with Air Force. Um, who is the only team playing this week that has that its opponent has already played a game? Um, the Colgate Raiders actually kicked off the 150th year of college football um, in the first game of the season against Villanova um, and laid a goose egg at home. Um, so, uh, Scott, did you catch any of that game, or have you kind of caught some highlights or anything and kind yeah, of I, in preparing? Yeah, I was able to watch uh, the majority of the game. I was actually pretty impressed by Colgate showing, really, um, even considering that it was a 34-14 loss against Villanova. Um, but Grant Brenneman looked good. They run the, the RPO well. One thing that I thought was really interesting about them is the size of their wide receivers. They're all massive. They actually kind of look like tight ends out there. Uh, Garrett Oakey, Nick Drought, um, Malik Twyman, all those guys, they're all around 6'3 and, and like 220, 215 pounds, which is, I mean, pretty big considering the size of some of our DBs who are more around the 5'10, you know, 170, 180 range. Um, so I think that'll provide it a little bit of a unique challenge. But overall, it's just kind of one of those stock, I mean, okay FCS teams. I didn't really see, um, you know, they had a bunch of preseason accolades with some of their players being ranked. Um, pretty high in the Patriot League, and, and I just didn't see a lot of that just kind of shining through. Um, but maybe there's an advantage to them being able to get out and get some of the rust off if they have any, or if that was just really the best that they had to go up against Villanova. Um, but even even just comparing Air Force to Villanova, I think Air Force is a, is a much tighter team. And, and, I mean, really, we can say that, you know, there was mistakes in this game, but really every single game that happened this weekend, uh, it was just mistake-laden. So... I, I really it doesn't change my tune on how Air Force should deal with um, with Colgate. I guess the one piece of news that has come out in the last week is that uh, cadets Brandon Lewis and David Cormier, who are our wide receivers, um, are are now considered no longer in good standing. Now we don't know exactly what that means, um, what kind of thing it is. Like I've said in the past with other disciplinary issues, the Air Force Academy, service academies in general, are not like other schools when it comes to discipline. Um, you can get knocked off the team or, or not be allowed to dress for a variety of reasons. And usually if it's something that has to do with criminal or anything actually like big Air Force military related, not just Air Force Academy training related, um, you, you can hear about it and, and there'll be a report on it. So we haven't had anything like that. Um, and the expectation that I've kind of heard is that it's not going to be the entire season. It's only going to be a few games. 
But I do suspect that we've known about this, uh, or the coaching staff has known about this for a while, uh, which leads me to believe that it might be something academic. It could be just something that has to do with military training. Um, but this kind of answers the question about as to why Ben Peterson uh, is listed number one on the depth chart for uh, a wide receiver, considering the fact that he was listed as a running back last year and has not had any statistical um, impact on the, for the Falcons in 2017 or 2018. So I'm not really worried about it. I don't think this is a big shock. Um, I don't think it really changes the course. And it goes back to kind of what we said when we originally did the, did the offensive breakdowns for Air Force. Um, in that the wide receivers are not our strongest part of the team. So I think as long as we go into this game prepared, um, it's going to be no problem. But one thing I am kind of excited about um, with Colgate showing is I actually think it might be a little bit better test um, than I initially thought getting ready for Colorado because I, I remember I voiced some concern that going and playing a cupcake team is basically just a way to not highlight what things you need to fix before you go play a Power 5 team. Um, so I think maybe if there are any holes holes in our team at all, they'll be hopefully shown a little bit against Colgate. Yeah, so yeah, we'll we'll get back to the the players getting uh, sidelined, removed from not actually removed from the team, but unable to unable to play um, in a second because I do want to get to that. Um, but did, did anybody else watch the Colgate game first? I guess Austin or Kayla. Anybody get I a peek the, at it? I, I caught the end of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was, I don't want to say, like, not pleasantly surprised, um, but kind of seeing them play last year, um, I still think that it'll be a, a kind of formidable opponent for Air Force kind of going in, but I, I'm not really worried, quote-unquote, um, kind of about it. But kind of similar to Scott, I think kind of that preparation before, uh, you know, you're going against that top-ranked team, I think any time it, it's going to be good to kind of see how they iron out any sort of um, ruffles and kind of make adjustments, so. Yeah, I um, didn't catch the game live, but was definitely paying attention to it, actually following it through my phone and then watched highlights and stuff afterwards. And I actually did a little bit more digging afterwards, and I, I didn't realize the amount of turnover that Colgate had from last year. Uh, I think I saw they lost 25 seniors, maybe 10 starters on the defense. Maybe not 10 starters, but 10 like uh, uh, big playmakers on the defensive side. And that was a defense that, that set a lot of records last year. And So there's definitely some turnover. Does that mean... They got some of the cobwebs knocked off on week one. Maybe got some guys some experience. They'll be better in week two. I don't know. I, I think it might tell us more that that Colgate is you know not as powerful as they were in 2018. So um, I found most exciting news this week for Air Force football is I guess they just signed a new deal with with Breckenridge Brewery. You guys are stealing all of my post Colgate talk. <laughs> here jumping in that's like two of my three things Man, i had to talk listen, about after we actually get through colgate can't get through breckenridge colgate. listen i'm not an air force fan but let me tell you about breckenridge an amazing place an amazing city i love it um so if you're going to provide some craft beer from from breckenridge brewery uh that's that's a that's a good deal for uh, for air force football well, fans we'll we'll get to the upgrades at falcon stadium and outside of falcon stadium how much do you want us to talk about colgate with colgate <laughs> I wanted to give oh, my two cents. Man. I haven't gotten to say anything. I gave, gave you guys a chance the to talk The beer first. is the most important part. You start, part. You start <laughs> giving us a script, Trust man. Me. That's why we have 20 cases coming on Friday and Saturday. Okay, so my take is, on. I think, to Austin's point, Colgate yeah, definitely lost a lot on defense. They're not going to be as good this year as they were last year, but they were record-setting. <laughs> We've already gone through their stats. 
on previous podcasts of just how good they were, basically not giving up a touchdown for like 10 weeks or something like that, not trailing in a game for the first 10, 10 weeks. Um, but it's kind of one of those things where I, I do feel like they got hit in the mouth a little bit and they just like that avalanche, that snowball in the second quarter of, okay, they give up a touchdown early in the second quarter and then it's right into a pick six, right? So then all of a sudden it's 14 nothing. Um, and then Villanova gets another touchdown, and you have the you know a fumble, and then I mean you're going into halftime with a touchdown at twelve with twelve seconds left to go in the half, and you're all of a sudden down twenty seven nothing. And they did fight back um, in the second half to get it you know within a couple of scores um, before Villanova finally put it away um, in the fourth quarter you know towards the end. But but they got back in the game, and this is a Villanova team that has been like weirdly good in openers um, under their current coach. They beat Temple last year. I remember like thinking, oh, Temple's going to have a terrible year. And Temple ended up being, you know, a pretty good team. Jeff Collins was able to get the Georgia Tech job out of out of that. But they lost to Villanova in week one. Um, but it was at home. And so, I don't know. I think they got to go to Colorado, obviously, um, to play this game. So, I am was less impressed than I thought I was going to be. I thought this would be a close game. I thought it was a game Colgate, you know, would be able to actually win. Um, and I think they're, I think they're better than they played in that first half for sure. But, um, I don't know, maybe they keep it close for a quarter, but I don't, I don't see this being, you know, too much of a game. I think it's a, you know, a five, six touchdown win for, for I will add real quickly, Villanova has, you know, fallen off the map the last couple of years, but you know, they've been a pretty good FCS team in the last decade or two. Like they've often made the playoffs, um, actually won the championship in 2009. So they are a little bit of a storied program in the FCS, so you'd like to think maybe they're rebounding. Maybe maybe it's yeah. maybe it was a very good competition for Colgate too. I don't know. Yeah, and once again they're coming. They had a they had a big win against Temple to open last year, and then had a, you know a couple of good games, and they just kind of fell off at the end of the year. And so, um, yeah, I mean we'll, we'll see. I just I, I guess where Scott thought maybe he you know, but he I did not watch the entire game, so um, thought maybe hey this is going to be more of a test. Which that's probably good. Scott would say, right? Like that's what you want. You don't want the the seventy to nothing FCS opponent um, in order to get ready, kind of for Colorado. So maybe it made Scott more excited for the game and and also for week, you know, three, I guess it is or whatever. Um, when when they go play Colorado, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think obviously this is going to be you know should be a game that Air Force wins pretty handedly. Um, so so all right, so let's talk. Well, we can go in and you guys already, like I said, kind of ruined my. <laughs> My stuff, but we can go in whatever order you guys want to go in. We want to, let's just finish talking about the two two players um, that got removed from the team, if you will, uh, unable to play, lose their what is it, drop in cadet status um, because of issues. Brandon Lewis and David Cormier. Um, and I guess my first question is to Scott would be um, being a recent more recent Air Force Academy grad, just kind of maybe fill people in on, like, I'm not asking you to dime out Air Force or anything like that, but just what's, what is the vibe like around football players in particular, but student athletes that kind of get in trouble and how strict are they? I mean, is it like, you, you kind of alluded to, hey, maybe it was just an academic thing and they'll get that fixed, but, um, the, you know, they're, um, I don't know, each school kind of feel feels that out a little bit differently, even though they're definitely more strict across the board than, than other schools. But um, sometimes things get swept under the rug. Sometimes we don't really know the full story, but kind of what's your take on how that's, that's handled at Air Force in general? Sure. So um, 
What I uh, just, I guess the short answer, the, the punchline, if you will, is that I don't know because there's been so much turnover when it comes to um, the superintendent and the athletic directors over the last few years and some of the bigger stories that have come out. Um, there have been, um, since I, I know at least 2013, there have been some very, very serious um, criminal things that have happened and they've been taken care of, care of extremely well. Um, the other thing you have to understand just about kind of the culture in Colorado Springs, Air Force um, has a good relationship with Colorado Springs, but they're definitely under a little bit of a microscope because, um, I mean, just call it what it is. I, I love Brent Brigham and I, I, I love some of the work that the, the Colorado Springs Gazette has done, but they have been able to kind of get some notoriety from posting bigger stories. And so they will get their hands in there and, and do some investigating. And then that becomes a part of a national conversation um, about, you know, what exactly is going on at these service academies. So I will say from what the time that I was there to what it seems like now, um, it, that we do not do any sweeping under the rug. And, and this isn't me, um, you know, making an, an excuse or, or saying anything like that for Air Force. I actually think it kind of has swung in the opposite direction a little bit. And there's been a little bit of a divide to where, there's almost a, a witch hunt kind of thing that goes on. And, and I mean, you can go back and read stories, but there's some wild stories out there about um, cadets who were turned into informants, going to parties off base and that kind of thing. And, and a lot of times, you know, these are really small things that kind of get blown up. Um, so what I will say about this, like I said, originally, if it would have been uh, anything super serious, you would have heard about the investigation. You would have heard about the Office of Special Investigations getting involved security forces uh somebody would have made a statement um general silveria has been has taken a very strong stance um against anything that's kind of bad and criminal going on um not just not just with athletes but also with the academy in general um but what i in terms of the culture the way i would think that it is um i think there's a belief that they get treated differently and i think that academy staff overcompensate for that belief if that makes sense. Okay. So no, I, it does. So, so I think it's can I ask a follow-up question. Yeah, sure. Here's, here's a follow-up question. So um, do you think that, and this is specific to football um, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to take a jab at, at Troy Calhoun, but do you think that the way that he handles the relationship with the media impacts the way Colorado, the Colorado Springs Gazette has to approach trying to figure things out? Because in this instance, for instance, for example, in Brent Brigham's article, right? Um, the he asks Troy Calhoun after practice last Tuesday, hey, why are Cormier and Lewis playing with the scout team? And Calhoun's response is, you got to earn a spot every day. You got to earn a spot. That's the way we work. You earn it here. Everything matters. That's just the way we work. He could have just said they're no longer in good standing. They can't. You know, they're they're not going to play here. So then the Gazette has to go and do an, an inquiry with the academy, probably to the you know either somebody else, SID or whatever, or per, perhaps to the PAO or something like that. And then the, it's that the actual academy that comes back and says, no, Brandon Lewis and David Cormier are no longer in good standing, not not Troy Calhoun. So, like, do you think that adds to that kind of uh, investigative nature the Gazette has to take because Calhoun won't open up about anything? Uh, yes and no. I think there's a little bit of a chicken or the egg with this entire thing, and I think it goes back to Troy Calhoun's kind of beef that he had with Dave Ramsey um, that has effectively forced Dave Ramsey off the beat. And, I mean – Pardon me if that's not 100% correct, um, but as, as far as 
that story goes, that's what I know. Um, but I, I think it's kind of when you're tro- when you're in Troy Calhoun's position, you're dealing with this dynamic to where, at the end of the day, people want to say, and and I I read the Mountain West Wires article and. They said that the third most important thing is winning the Mountain West for Air Force. Number one is um, is graduating officers. Number two is the Commander Chiefs Trophy. And, and I mean, it's one of those things where we have the benefit of being uh, of kind of being on the inside, having gone through the academy experience, and knowing exactly how cadets are. And at the end of the day, people want to put them on a pedestal, but they're just people. And so Troy Calhoun knows that. And so when he was dealing with an athletic director um, who isn't necessarily football minded when he's dealing with um, different superintendents who have different agendas. Because at the end of the day, being a superintendent at a service academy, you have a direct line to the Pentagon, unlike a lot of other, even three stars. You'd think that three stars have, you know, have this direct um, reporting, but they don't. And so it, it's a little bit of a political position. And I think that that's where Troy Calhoun probably could have handled things differently. Um, but I think that there's also this sense of, maybe these people are against me and against my, you know, what's, what's best for me. And so I think something like that, he's definitely trying to sweep it under the rug, but it, like you said, it's all it's going to do is raise questions. Why are your, why are you starting um, a player who has effectively no stats recorded um, over guys who are experienced? And so, yeah, I, I think that's really valid, but it's kind of a chicken or the egg. And, and the other thing is, is like the toothpaste is already out of the tube on this. We're not, I don't think we're ever going to get back to this. To is this that a Colgate joke? Yeah, there you go. And I did find out that Colgate is actually is no joke named after the toothpaste guy. He was like a super rich benefactor, and they changed the name uh, like a hundred years ago or something like that. So I thought that was kind of funny. Um, so yeah, I mean, you you're never really going to be able to mend that relationship, and I think that that it it definitely it all just kind of plays off each other. And as long as I guess if he's happy with it with how stuff gets reported and has no issue. I guess he's just going to keep on doing what he's doing at the end of the day. This is his full-time job. So I'm, I'm guessing he just kind of handled it how he saw fit. Yeah. I'm just trying to think like, I know how Kenny would handle it and, and, but the end result is actually pretty similar in that Ken, I, in instances in the past that I know of just from like knowing the actual like story behind um, and being around the program would probably, you know, would, wouldn't, wouldn't go like the full Calhoun approach. He would definitely say like, Hey, he, he's no longer with the team because he, he he messed up and you know he wouldn't do, he wouldn't deflect that but then it's still going to be wags or whoever having to go ask the he's not going to like divulge what happened right it's still going to be wags having to go ask the academy for more information and then the academy is going to say the exact same thing right that that Air Force yeah. said so um all right beyond that um you kind of already hit on it but any any thoughts just real quick on the loss of those two plus you know we have already talked Cole Fagan um, previously, but just kind of, there are definitely a couple of, um, potential playmakers that are gone. Does that, are you, are you confident that everybody's going to be able to step up, you know, next guy up or is wide receiver now an issue of concern outside of Gerard Sanders? Yeah, no, I mean, we've known about this for a, a while, not necessarily the issues that were surrounding these changes in the depth chart, but we've known, um, like I said, that Ben Peterson was going to be starting alongside Gerard Sanders. Uh, we knew that Caden Remsburg was going to have to step up at running back. Um, so I and and I've been pretty honest about that. As much as I think Air Force has improved, and as much as I think that it's a good thing that um, we've at least taken a step in the right direction with knowing that one of our two quarterbacks is going to be the leader. Um, I, yeah, there's a little bit of a question mark up there, but I, I also think that we are talented enough 
to get over that hump. And I also think um, if this is going to be kind of a short little suspension, then then maybe we'll be good to go um, within a few weeks. Hopefully, at least we have it all figured out, or hopefully, at least these guys who were kind of you know projected to be second or second or third on the depth chart, hopefully they'll be able to step up when it comes time to play like Boise State, for example. Yeah. Um, okay. One, so some updates to Austin's point, and then we'll move on from Air Force, take a break. But, um, well, but yeah, let's just talk the Falcon Stadium stuff first. So um, beer, Anheuser-Busch partnership, Nathan Pine getting in there, you know. Um, we got Bud, we got uh, Bud Light and Breckenridge Breweries, the official beer and official craft beer of Air Force Athletics now. Not going to lie, pretty jealous. Although normally when I go to a Navy game, I'm in the press box anyway, so I'm not consuming alcohol, but – um, I mean, what, what impact, if any, does that have on the quality of, of the Air Force experience and combine that with the tailgate guys partnership, which we've discussed previously, that's going to start, you know, obviously taking effect. I mean, they're, they're making the conscious effort to try and improve the experience to get more people, you know, in, in the stadium to enjoy Falcon football on Saturdays in the fall. Yeah. So, um, I mean, we were lucky enough to get Nathan Pine on the podcast and that was one of the things that I answered or I asked him point blank, I wanted, what are tangible things? Because every athletic director, every official wants to, quote, improve the fan experience, and it's usually things that are intangible, kind of gimmicky. Uh, I think this is a really good thing. This is going to be, I believe, our third year serving uh, beer and wine in the stadium. Um, But since we actually have a new, we have an associate AD, uh, Brian Campbell, who is coming from the marketing department um, at Anheuser-Busch InBev, and so I'm sure he was a big part of getting um, getting Bud Light to be a part of the sponsorship. Um, I know they're a great company. Initially, we had Miller Coors. Um, and then Breckenridge Brewery, obviously the reason why they're tied in is because AB Inve- InBev owns them. Um, they purchased uh, Breckenridge Brewery in 2015. So I think these are all good things. Um, and, it, and it's also just bigger picture. I know we're talking football right now, but... If you look at other things that we have coming down, I mean, in the last year, we had a Brad Paisley concert at Falcon Stadium. We have the NHL Stadium Series where the the Colorado Avalanche are going to be coming to play there. So we need to get moving on some of these improvements to Falcon Stadium. And I think doing things like these that uh, don't cost a whole lot but will hopefully get more fans in the door, it can start to drive money um, into some of those projects that we want to do to actually fix the stadium itself. Um and a mailer came out, I, I can't remember who it was, I think it was from the Falcon Athletic Fund uh, a few months ago, basically saying that, hey, here's some of the things that we want to do. We need your money. I mean, how are you going to raise money if we're uh, coming off of two losing seasons? I'm sorry, you know, um, that's just the honest truth. So I think doing these things uh, in the meantime is a really good step in the right direction. And if we can find a way to, to win back the Commander Chiefs trophy, uh, if we can find a way into a bowl game, if we can find a way to have a winning season, I mean, these are all just positive things, and it'll really help Nathan Pine start off on the right foot. Yeah, I agree. Um, last thing on the Air Force. I mean, I'll, if, if Austin and Kayla have any comments, feel free to throw anything in. But the last thing, I mean, this is like, this is fresh off the press, updated 24 minutes ago. Air Force has a starting quarterback, guys. Wow. Break the news. Donald Hammond the third, all right, the start the starting quarterback for Air Force on there Saturday. There we go. Um, so, yeah, who, with that who broke uh, that? with that news, uh, Brent that? Brigham. Okay. Um, so 
coming out of practice today, I'm guessing. Um, yeah, that was that was the thing is uh, is is that Hammond is going to be um, the first guy out there come Saturday. So, yeah, I mean, I is that the first you've heard of that, Scott? So did that, I yeah. break the news to you? All right. Yeah. So so initial thoughts on I, it's late into into the camp. Obviously, somebody's gonna have to start on Saturday, but we know who that's gonna be, and it's gonna be Hammond now. Um, seems like he's taking the lead at least right now. So, what are your thoughts? Yeah, good. Um, I, I mean, like I said in the past, I would be happy. I would have been happy with Isaiah Sanders or Donald Hammond. Um, obviously, I haven't been been able to watch camp in person, but I think based on last year's stats, um, based on both of their personalities, I think they're I think they're both fantastic people, and I think they're fantastic quarterbacks. Um, I, I think that having one named, it's going to give him a chance to think about it for this this entire week. I mean, as short as it is, um, and really settle into his role. And it also gives Isaiah Sanders a chance to kind of sit back and, and take in that role of being the second quarterback. Because, I mean, with a team like Air Force that moves as fast as it does, um, I mean, with any service academy in, in a triple option system, that role of, of second quarterback is just as important. And he needs to be able to step up when, when he's kind of called upon. And so um, I'm happy with it. I hope was – did it say if he that he was named just for this game or did it say he's been named the starting quarterback? Uh, and they just said that um, it's a, it's an article on Hammond, kind of more in, about him as an arrow major and just kind of who he is and his swagger. But it says that um, that he was named. Well, let me see if I can find it. The announcement was quietly made late this past week, so last week, to the players after Hammond and Isaiah Sanders had battled for the spot. Hammond won it, um, and the coaches have put their support behind him again. So. Okay. So my only question then, um, you know, are there strings attached to this? Is it going to be? He throws one pick and then Sanders is in, um, it, which was is obviously super dejecting for any player. And then, and I think that that was someone brought up this point to me um, that I didn't even really think about. Uh, you know, was there ever a time when either quarterback was playing scared last season? Um, that you know, oh, if I mess up, I'm gonna I'm gonna get pulled out right now. So uh, hopefully, it gives him some confidence, um, and it really allows him to settle into this role and kind of blossom as the starter. So. I'm happy with it. Uh, I hope that's it. I hope we can at least stick with him unless something, you know, really happens. But I think as long as he's producing similar stats to last season, I, th- I think this is a great thing. Uh, Austin or Kayla, any thoughts on DH3 being the, the quarterback? I, I think that was what I expected it to be all along. Yeah, me too. I agree with that. Same. I, did, I do kind of wonder, well, I mean, I guess coming the announcement, us knowing this week but last week is it kind of is a week enough time I guess for him being named to kind of prepare for that role I guess we'll see that was kind of my only one like oh well um they were in week zero now so that would have been nice to know maybe a couple weeks ago but you know they they know their team better than us so we'll see yeah and and at least from the article it sounds like he has I mean of course the players are going to say good things but he has the support of the team um and and you know the backs everybody and they they like I mean, I think I, I noticed that last year. This is why I thought he would be because I think he just plays with his swagger, um, and that, there's really not another word for it. That he just kind of he, you know, inspires or whatever, motivates the, the rest of the team kind of around him um, because of just the way he plays. And he's not afraid of contact, and he's fast, and he, I mean, he just he's just kind of got that it factor in a lot of ways. So uh, I would agree. I wasn't really. I, this is what I how I thought it would play out. Um, I'm a little bit surprised it took this long, but I'm not because Troy Cohen, <laughs> exactly. So. Um, yeah, the, the, um, one, the one other thing I will say, and you posed this question to me a long time ago um, on another podcast about who do you want the 
the ball in their hand with the game on the line. And I and I agree. I think that that kind of X factor is what gives Donald Hammond the edge. I think both of them have the potential and ability to produce that game-winning drive, but I think that that was an answer we did not have last season bouncing between the two of them. And to Kayla's point, I think that it's more so is a week long enough not for him to be prepared. I believe that both of these quarterbacks were prepared for the starting role. Is it enough time for the team to get used to the idea that this is who we're going to look to for leadership on the offense? And so I, I think the answer is yes, all, all around. I think it's I think it's a really good thing. But I think, too, that – and this is the last thing, and then we're going to commercial. But I think, too, it's not – if I'm Calhoun, I'm not looking at it really as a week. I'm looking at it as three weeks, right? Like I'm looking at it as yeah. this week I get yeah. Colgate plus the bye week, right, and then another week of practice. So it's really three weeks before Colorado, um, and I'm sure that's part of, of it, too. All right. It's, it's a good half hour there on Air Force, So, uh, but, but a lot to talk about because there was more things going on this week with Air Force kind of leading into the game, and Colgate had already played a game. Um, but we'll take a break and we'll be right back to talk Army week one. Yep. All right. Welcome back to the Against All Enemies podcast. We're going to talk Army football here um, for the next few minutes. So it'll be Kayla's turn to, to get to talk. Um, so Army will open up on Friday night during our, at least for a half hour or so of our live podcast in Annapolis. So we'll have Kayla on hand tuned into the game. Um, there are no TVs upstairs at Mission Barbecue, so I don't think. So I'll have to you know, be checking in on the laptop or something um, on YouTube TV or whatever. Uh, but Army will be opening up at 6 o'clock against Rice, so the only team of the three playing an FBS opponent in week one. And it'll be the fifth year in a row that Army has opened on a Friday night, um, which is interesting, I think. So fifth year in a row that they open up on Friday night. It'll be on CBS Sports Network. So um, how are we feeling about Army – uh, heading into into the season, we've already kind of discussed the whole schedule and we've discussed what we think as far as how they're going to do. But now it's here. It's week one. Time to play. And, and the Rice Owls are coming to town. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, not too much of a change. I, I'm excited to, to see them play. I think especially, um, like you said, Friday, Friday night and opening at home. Um, I think it'll be a good game for them. I do think it's kind of on both sides, both sides of, of kind of the, the paper for Rice and for Army. They both have lost um, kind of a, a big number of players on the defensive side. So I think for Rice, um, who also plays um, Wake Forest after Army, then Texas, then Baylor. Um, so considering kind of their schedule and, and where they're kind of ranked, in, um, you know, in Conference USA West, I think some might consider Rice's schedule to be a little bit more tougher. Uh, so they might be coming in, I think, this week with a bit of a chip on their shoulder considering the, the season that they had um, in 2018. And they have a lot of kind of young guys who are kind of wanted, you know, figuring out kind of where they fit on the team and, and playing against some, you know, formidable opponents following Army as well. So uh, I think it'll still be entertaining. The last time they did, uh, the last matchup in 2017, uh, Army won 49-12. So I do see a double-digit victory for them. Uh, but I think it's, a, like I said, another good game kind of to open up uh, going into week two. Yeah, I think it'll be, a, you know, it'll be a good game. Well, I, <laughs> I was like looking up Rice. Rice's hashtag for this season is intellectual brutality. <laughs> intellectual brutality. That's their, that's their team motto. Well, they're I mean, the Owls, so I can see how that would. Owls I mean, I know it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a. It's on brand. Know, it's a. a wow, letters. A, a smart school. I, I can't. I can't think of the word I'm trying to use, but it's a smart school, right? It's like, 
Um, yeah. You know, you gotta, you gotta be smart to get into rice, but I mean, come on, intellectual brutality, get out of here. It's a lot That's, to type. Um, okay, so beat you down in obviously, <laughs> obviously we we think Army, you know, wins this game probably uh, probably pretty handedly. We already talked about the schedule, and everybody kind of agreed that. So let me get some thoughts on the spread because this is the only game I would care. I mean, because FBS versus FCS, it's just kind of like whatever. But this is an FBS versus FBS game. Um, and I'm going to ask Austin because Austin is kind of the resident. Um, I'm not going to say gambler. That's not Austin's right <laughs> word. But he likes to look at the lines. Um, and he did most of our covering of, of that last year. Um, so it's, uh, it's Army minus 23. Yeah, I, I think it's actually so what, what I was looking at Vegas Insider earlier. If I can pull up, I think it's already shifted to 21 and a half. Um, okay. This yeah, so this Vegas Insider says it opened at 24 and a half. Uh, it's now at 21 and a half. So shifting that way. And then it's all lost on um, the points in the over under, too. So 51 and a half. And now it's down to 48 and a half. So they're expecting uh, a less scoring game, which Rice, if you look at 2018, time of possession, they did. Con- they tried to control the clock when they had the ball. I mean, they didn't do much really on offense or defense. But when they were successful, they they controlled the clock. So I think. Um, you know, this will be a game of possessions. Uh, obviously, Army will be more successful. That 21 point is kind of the, the the touch point, right? I think you see Army winning by three scores. You know, if it's a 17-18 to 20 point spread, then yeah, like I like Army to cover that. But once you start getting above 21, it's, you know, it's a last minute touchdown by Rice that's meaningless against the second string uh, Army, which they had a 28 point lead going to the fourth quarter or something like that. So um, nothing I would necessarily want to touch, but uh, especially on week one. Really? Yeah. I would I would hammer the spread. Uh, wouldn't touch the over under. Well, so you would so what would you, you would take army or? Oh, I yeah, I'd, army yeah. all day on this. Yeah. I think uh, our, army's gonna is is coming out, and I think they are gonna want to make a statement about their about their ranking and leave absolutely no doubts on the field. I don't see them taking a measured response against a team like Rice, especially considering the fact that their subsequent subsequent games aren't going to be too much of a physical challenge for them. Um, and I think that this is one of those times where you want to build confidence, and especially in your running backs, and maybe even try out a few trick plays early on. I think we'll potentially see Army put up 14 maybe in the first quarter. Um, and the difficulty that Rice is going to have is that if Army kind of hangs their hat on making absolutely zero mistakes, I mean, Rice is going to have to match that to, I think, even have a chance at scoring. So um, I like it. I wouldn't bet my mortgage on it, but I would. Uh, I would. I think this is a tasty game for yeah. for the degenerates. <laughs> I actually agree with you. So maybe maybe Austin is just need, we need to get you into the, like the season man, or something. Week, and get week you one, man. I don't yeah. want to put a lot of money out there in week one, in my opinion. <laughs> I was gonna say, see, see, maybe Austin's a little bit smarter than I am. It's, he doesn't have that uh, that Hawaii if desperation you, where your Saturday just goes terrible and then you're you're betting on the ten. If you can get, I'll say this: if you can get ground. it at twenty one, if you can get it at twenty one, I would I would highly consider it. But anything above twenty one, I'm starting to. Eh. I I think it's a five touchdown victory minimum for Army. That's yeah. my kind of that's my that's my personal opinion. So I would actually, I mean. And and when you yeah, but I kind of agree when you get above like when you get above like four seventeen ish in the spread, um, then things can swing with a with a quick touchdown at the end or something like that. Then it it's a bad um, beat. I become less even if I even if I think it's going to be a 
um, two touchdowns more than that, I become less likely to to just throw something on the line. But but I mean, I kind of agree. I, I I think it's thirty five points or something like that is is what it ends up being. Um, it was thirty seven hey, the last time they it, played, and so and no in no way does last year matter, and in no way is Rice like nope. Duke by any means. But Army's week one game last year, they didn't look as good as they did as the year progressed, right? Like, they definitely got better as the year went on. That was I remember sitting there watching that game and yeah. being like, man, you know, Army, Army's not up to par. But, again, Duke is much better than Rice. Uh, you know, they're exactly how it's first start point. versus... So, I mean, not making that compare. I mean, I mentioned it, but I probably guess I shouldn't have because I'm telling you it doesn't matter. But I'm still mentioning it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think uh, the thing is, is, like, put yourself in the brain of a delusional army coach right you think you're better than you are can you say that and what and and what is your what's your like situation going into this game so right now you've only gotten 27 these this team truly believes that they are a top 25 team you want to come in make a statement blow out rice hopefully make up some ground in the voting and then go into michigan which they truly believe that they're going to win and then they're already setting themselves up on on a path to hopefully get that new year's six bowl yeah. So that's well, that's you, what I think. I don't think. Let's I think not gonna be let's not go into the New Year's Six conversation. That's another no. spot, like because we don't have to. I don't feel like explaining. That'll take a half hour just to get people up to par on what that actually looks like. Um, but you know who is who wants who really wants Army to win by forty points? Michigan. They want that top twenty. They, I mean, if Army wins this game by five, six touchdowns. Why not? Uh, well, we kind of already looked at the who's in front of them, and nobody. I looked at I looked at that briefly before when we do an Army schedule. Nobody like within the first seven or eight spots in front of them that's playing in week one has an opponent that should give them a challenge at all. Um, so the odds of moving up two spots may be low, but but potentially you jump in top 25 in a poll, and then all of a sudden um, if Michigan does what Scott thinks they're going to do to Army, um, that's a top 25 victory all season they can hang their hat on, right? So um, they definitely want Army to come out and, and steamroll Rice for sure. Justin, if you yes. are thinking a five-touchdown game, right? Is that what you said? Yes. That's what you I should be taking the over, man. That's forty-two-seven. Like, unless your thing is thirty-five, nothing. Right. It. It's for, what, what are you seeing for that? I'm seeing forty-eight for that. Yeah, I got 40, forty-eight and a half. So what Vegas Insider show. <laughs> so that's exactly <laughs> forty-nine. That's exactly. Yeah, but 49, if you're, if you're confident seven. in five touchdowns, man, I mean, these guys aren't dumb. <laughs> these Vegas guys aren't dumb. Yeah, they have intellectual <laughs> brutality. Oh, the Vegas guy. Yeah. No one in this game is dumb, except for apparently the army coaches. According yeah. to Scott, that's not me. Do not quote me on that. That's all Scott. Delusional. I didn't say they were dumb. I think they're smart. I they've tricked Army fans into buying season tickets to go watch two <laughs> FCS opponents. They're smart. Listen, my, my, <laughs> my you're not tickets. dumb comment was strictly for those people who set the lines. Okay? Don't be taking this down to <laughs> Army and Air Force insults, people. Take the high road. I already started the headline for you. It's going to be a long season. <laughs> it's going to be a good season. It's going to be great. Um, okay, so, Kayla, any any more thoughts on, on the Army Rice game? Or maybe just, like, what you're most excited about besides hanging out with me in Austin while yeah. you watch the game? Um, I am excited about that. Um, I'm, you know, I'm quite the uh, loud, interactive football watcher. Oh, you'll have a microphone, so. So, I'm excited to, to get that. Like I said, I'm, I'm excited to kind of see – Rice being such a young team and having to fill a lot of holes, similar in the way that Army does, I'm kind of that's kind of what I'm most excited to see because I think a lot of people were worried about that secondary and we mentioned it so many times is them getting complacent and seeing 
the the work that they've been doing all summer in developing these young guys and that's what i'm excited to see kind of going forward because uh, we really don't want um, them to get uh, you know tired out especially going into week two and uh, continuing so we'll see yeah no i think it's gonna be a good game for sure for sure for sure all right let's take one more quick break uh and then we'll come back we'll talk we'll wrap up with a little navy discussion we have an entire live show for mission barbecue on friday um to talk navy football for the most part um for an hour and a half so we won't dive too much in other than just just some quick talk on navy holy cross and we'll wrap it up okay welcome back to the against all enemies podcast week one we're pumped we're going to annapolis austin and i kayla's going to join us for some uh some tailgate slash podcast recording um and austin and i's 10-year reunion so uh, it's gonna be a big weekend and then i have my live fantasy football draft on sunday after that too so it's really gonna be a good weekend for me uh, i'm really excited about the weekend and getting to uh see both of you and enjoy annapolis and uh only get to do that a couple times a year um and if it wasn't for aae probably wouldn't get to do it any times a year so um thankful to be able to 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 do that this weekend but yeah so let's just quickly talk through navy holy cross um because we don't know how the audio is going to turn out to be honest with you on the live podcast as far as the recording we think that the live um event will be great but the recording itself and what the audio um scott may look get one listen to it for like 30 seconds and be like yeah sorry guys i'm not touching that so <laughs> there's a strong possibility of that so for those who don't get to catch the live episode um this Bloody. friday Maybe we, we do hope to stream it, live stream it, which we hope we hope the audio will be yeah. good enough for at least that. That's the plan. But this is also a, a trial run to yep. hopefully do bigger and better for upcoming CIC leg games. Absolutely. Um, but we will, yeah, we'll try and get it on Facebook Live. Um, and then we'll see. We're just going to see, play it by ear, see how it goes. We've got a couple of um, you know guests going to join us. See what brewery is going to kind of join us. Um, and... And we're going to get hopefully get some Q&A from the audience, but we'll see. I mean, there is a chance that it'll be crowded upstairs. won't be able to hear anything, you know, once we get it, the audio kind of um, captured. So, all right. So, Navy Holy Cross. Uh, Austin, what are your Man, thoughts? Yeah, so uh, this game excites me because of Navy's unknown. I, I, there's question marks on offense. There's question marks on defense. And I think uh, that the first week game of the season is exciting for exactly that purpose now. Um, I think Holy, oddly enough, this is the very first time Navy has pulled, played Holy Cross, uh, which yeah. isn't that kind of surprising. Crazy, yeah. I mean, yeah, Patriot League. I mean, a Patriot League team. You would, you would have thought right. they had a game at some um, point. So, I mean, the historical matchup is kind of overvalued anyway. So, I'm not really looking into that, but um, certainly a game that Navy fans are going to expect Navy to control easily. Uh, I mean, we've had FCS scares in the past. It wasn't too long ago. I was there watching us lose to Delaware. I believe it was a Joe Flacco-led Delaware, so maybe there's an excuse in that, right? <laughs> um, and Holy Cross, I don't think he's going to have anyone of that caliber. Uh, they do have a good running back in uh, Dominic Cozier. They've got some offensive linemen, two offensive linemen that returned from being the All-Patriot League first team last year, or maybe first or second team. So they're definitely going to be solid um, at the line in the running game, so... Uh, it'll be a good test for Navy D line. Uh, question marks there. Not a lot of experience. Linebackers have athleticism, but they've got people moving around in different spots than what they're used to. Uh, so with that, coupled with Brian Newberry's new defensive scheme, all those unknowns are going to be exciting to see. And I don't think we're going to get a full glimpse of it. I think we're going to get little tastes, right? I think uh, both offense and defensive side, they're probably assuming that they can be 
fairly vanilla with their play calls and, and with their with their hidden packages maybe on defense and still get away with a, a comfortable win. I'm sure at least that's the goal. They don't want to put too much out there in game film unless they have to. So I'm not necessarily expecting to see all these questions answered, but it's going to be fun to see maybe maybe glimpses of them. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree. Um, it, and I don't know. So if you had to put one, what are you, the one thing, one thing you're most excited about of all of the things, not, not out. One one football thing you're most excited about, not the other stuff, not the reunion. Or I think one this is a game, just historically speaking, when you think of when we play FCS opponents, that we tend to get our slot backs involved a little bit more for whatever reason. I think it's just more speed when you move laterally uh, that kind of exploits the FCS kind of level talent. So the slot backs need to have a big year this year. And I think having this as the first game of the season is really going to show maybe some glimpses and some speed and some some maneuverability on the slots that's really going to hopefully open up the entire game um that obviously coupled with what's that uh uh what the defense what the defense is going to look like in terms of its ability to put pressure onto the quarterback but i don't know how much we're going to see of that i really don't so i'm more excited to see the slot backs get involved early than anything else because i don't think you're going to see a lot of the run and shoot really either maybe a couple maybe a couple quick slants just to see if it works type thing but i think for the most part it's the slots that i think are gonna hopefully what we're gonna learn the most about yeah, I, I think for me, it's the the best case scenario in this game that leads into what I'm most anxious, excited, whatever to see. Is I kind of agree with you with the slots, and I I think I exactly my thoughts exactly on the run and shoot thing. I don't think we're going to see a lot of that. So Malcolm Perry passing would be would be up there, but I don't think we're going to see a lot of it um, in this game. Maybe just a couple. I'm sure he's going to get some chances, just some game reps um, throwing the ball. I'm not saying that. Um, for sure, especially if it, you know, once it's a three touchdown lead or something like that, um, I think we'll see some of that. Um, but not like you're going to see in the other games. And on the defensive side, I don't think it's just the difference in talent and speed and things. It's just not going to, you're just not going to see what what you're going to see, you know, from every week after that. So to be honest, best case scenario for me is is Navy gets up four to five touchdowns, and in the fourth quarter we get to see QB two, whoever that is, right? Um, and see <laughs> see what else. Yeah, I mean, so we know. Um, right, that that we got the freshman Perry Olson um, as the backup, and so uh, I mean that's that's a true freshman. Uh, it's a plebe. Um, uh, they obviously wouldn't be a redshirt freshman, but I mean he did go to NAP, so maybe he is considered technically a redshirt, you know, type freshman um, in that you know in, in Navy system. But but yeah, so Perry Olson as the second string quarterback, um, you know, of all the quarterback situations uh, across the three service academies, this is the most uncertain um, because of you know Malcolm's history plus um not having that solid QB2 emerge and we know that all three of the the second third and fourth string guys you know are kind of e- equal um but we we've heard that that Perry Olson is next guy to run out so that that's my thing is I, I hope it's a you know 35 nothing at halftime or whatever I don't know what it ends up being but I hope it's a big lead and then we see in, in the fourth quarter we see um Olson and if it's that big of a lead we may see more than just him we may get you know some trading off series between him and um, and and the other freshman and um, Dalen Morris. So we'll see. Um, but that would be exciting, I think, is just to kind of see that just to maybe, and once again, it's it's Holy Cross, but maybe just to kind of put my mind at ease a little bit about what happens if Malcolm, you know, gets hurt, God forbid, at some point this season because um, that could be detrimental. So um, Kayla, Scott, any thoughts on Navy Holy Cross that you guys want to throw out there or – it's obviously the same time as the Air Force Colgate game, so I'm sure you won't be paying as much attention, Scott, to Navy Holy Cross. <laughs> I, 
I definitely am, am looking to, to kind of see how this run and shoot scheme works. I think anytime uh, you kind of have uh, the new staff on and, and seeing how this works in, into kind of their scheme of play, especially I think going super, super forward, but I think this is something that if it works well, the jury definitely want to kind of utilize during the Army-Navy game. Because uh, I think that's something that they can utilize against kind of, you know, Army holding on and, and having a, a high time of possession and keeping that ball in their hands. So I'm interested to see if it works for them, how well they kind of try it, and, and if that's something that they're going to solidify, you know, going into the, the weeks forward. So that's what I'm excited to watch. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for big picture things. I think um, Coach Niamatololo has been – he just – I guess from the outside, he kind of seems like he's been a little bit frustrated with some of the ways that, um, you know, he's some of the things that he's been able to do uh, with, with the Academy in general. And so I'm excited to just see his coaching and kind of the big movements that they do, because as much as I am excited to see that some of the new offensive things that they're going to be implementing, I don't think we'll learn a whole lot from this game. Um, but I really think that, yeah, that's just it. Just kind of big picture things, you know, what's, what's coach Niamatololo's mood um, is he controlling well? Is it the same old guy who we've seen have awesome success with the team? Um, and overall, I, th- I think it'll just be kind of good to watch. Nothing too exciting. Yeah, and we've already talked about their schedule, the way it's set up, and you know, couldn't have a better, really, unless maybe you're playing UConn, but that second opponent in East Carolina to really see everything, but still hopefully um, play a team that you you know should be able to beat. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with all of you, and, and um of the three games, I guess I, I mean, obviously I'm excited for Navy. Don't get me wrong, but um, I think the the Army Rice game may be the most you know I don't know enjoyable and kind of kicks off the whole weekend for us on Friday night. And um, we're super excited about the the live podcast though. So for everybody that's kind of stuck around to the end here, um, once again, don't forget Friday night or uh, Friday evening, five to six thirty um, ish at uh, Mission Barbecue downtown Mission Barbecue on City Dock in Annapolis in the um, second floor in the upstairs room. Uh, we'll have that reserved and we're going to do a live podcast recording, um, breaking down kind of Navy Holy Cross much more in depth, plus um, looking at Navy season, getting some updates on what's going on in the Army game, um, maybe touch a little on Army Air Force, but mostly focusing on Navy. Um, and it'll be me and Austin and Kayla there doing that. We'll have some, some solid guests um, joining us on the show, some former players, hopefully Joe Miller from Navy uh, Football Radio Network, uh, the Navy color commentator, and it's just going to be a good time, and then we're going to be tailgating on Saturday. We'll have some AE swag, see what brewery will be there. They'll have some beer, so come join us uh, next to the Blue Angel to tailgate, and it's going to be a good weekend. I'm super pumped, obviously, football. I know y'all are too, so. Uh, can't wait till this time next week when we're back, uh, really tired from traveling on Monday and uh, and talking about um, three teams sitting at one and zero uh, and and a huge game for Army in week two with Navy and Air Force both having buys. So you can expect Na- or Army Michigan to dominate the conversation, you know, next week after we kind of recap the game. So it's exciting stuff. Yep. All right. See y'all on Friday. Let's do it. of the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy, the Great Air Force Falcon.